when someone told you if it's not in a gallery, it's not art. Oh, that fucking guy. Yeah. <laughs> hey, welcome to Montreal Sauce. My name is Chris, co-host of the show where we talk to makers, creators, and friends about their passions. My fellow host, Paul, is a spore. The Earth is just a big organism that's going to put him on a SpaceX rocket so that he can populate another planet. Does that sound about right, Paul? Uh, yes. Um, (laughs) (laughs) You know, for a long time, I wanted to be a pilot and or astronaut. And then I rode a roller coaster and realized that I would never be a pilot or an astronaut because (laughs) I was not physically, uh, physically or mentally prepared for anything remotely resembling more than one G. Oh, I'm sad. Yeah, yeah. All but right. that's okay. I got into film so that I could, you know, put put my uh, put my imagination onto a screen somehow. Coolio. All right. Well, I'll start recording now. That seems smart. <laughs> uh, Who's our and- guest today, Chris? <laughs> we are <laughs> our guest today. Wow. Segue. Uh, we are joined by an artist who has shown in galleries from Boston, Brooklyn, Miami, Portland, London to, of course, Toronto, Calgary, and Edmonton. Uh, furthermore, the submission process of getting gallery shows has prompted him to present his work in creative and interesting ways like uh, suburban garages and street corners. Think like art show installations. So speaking of streets, our guest has also spent over a year doing street art and has some really great stories about that. He likes Volkswagen bugs, the Detroit Pistons, and dislikes landscape paintings. Imaginary studio audience, please welcome Adrian Kolarik. Hello. Um, Thank thank you. (laughs) First time listener. (laughs) Thanks for having me. So, um, as I was stock or researching, uh, (laughs) I see that you went to the Northern Alberta Institute of Technology or NATE, as we say, what did you study there? I studied interior design technology. Um, I was, uh, (laughs) it wasn't really my first choice. I, when I graduated high school, I was, uh, I was going to follow my friends to uh, TACA, Alberta College of Art in Calgary. But my girlfriend at the time kind of kiboshed it and, uh, you know, basically said, you know, find something in town. And uh, so just kind of looked through um, Nate's program. And I just thought that was like the closest thing to an art related thing that I can I can uh, I can take. And I took it. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> right on right on i feel like there's a lot of uh i'm sure every generation can say that but i i've talked to a lot of people um recently in doing interviews for work and there there seems to be a lot of people who knew what they wanted to do but like the education uh places the universities hadn't caught up with the rest of the world so we all majored in things that were sort of similar yeah <laughs> Yeah, you know, and, and it was it was always a fear, right? You know, obviously, I would love to um, I'd love to be an artist full time. I, I would love to make a living uh, off of off of this, but it's uh, it's it's next to impossible. You know, um, got to pay the bills, and uh, you know, I, you know, I'm lucky enough that I'm able to sell stuff and and you know to do shows here and there, and you know, you know, I I, I like the following that I have, but man, it's just uh, don't pay the bills. So unfortunately, I'm. Uh, I don't know if you call me a Sunday painter, but, uh, yeah, no, it's, it's impossible for me. I, I got to have a, a nine to five. Yeah. Yeah. I was actually talking to someone who works in 3d recently and she was saying a similar thing. Like she thought like a lot of art these days seems like devalued, um, because there's so much of it. Like, um, and you know, she was saying that, You know, not that like you have to go to school or to somewhere to study it. Like there's really great resources available now to learn composition and things like that. But she was like, we don't value it as much anymore. So then it's really hard for creative people to make a living. It is. It is. There's I guess that's the one, you know, there's obviously benefits with with social media, you know, nowadays and the Internet. Uh, You're able to like put 
anything out anytime. You can create like, you know, like a virtual show whenever you want, but there's just, there's just so much out there. Right. So, you know, to have, um, to connect with people is it's really tough, right? Cause there's, there's a lot of voices out there and you know, you're really working hard to get yours heard. And, uh, so I don't know. It's, it's, uh, yeah, it's, 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 it's a tough racket for an artist. I find. Yeah, I bet. Um, so, so I guess saying that you, uh, studied in, interior design technology would mean that most of the art that you do is pretty much self-taught. Is that right? Oh yeah. Yeah. All of it is. I, um, well, like I, it's funny, like I, before Nate, like I, I painted a lot, um, a lot of portraits and that. And then I, uh, yeah, so I got into Nate and then obviously, you know, got a little more, uh, technical, uh, like a lot of hand drafting and then eventually, uh, CAD work. And, uh, so I kind of lost a bit of that, um, uh, just a bit of that connection to that fine arts, uh, uh, process. And so I just kind of, I kind of disappeared from it for probably a good 10 years. Uh, so I got, you know, after, after Nate got a job with an engineer and, you know, started doing work there. And then, uh, eventually I got a job at a millwork shop where I was uh, drafting and doing some engineering work. And then I, uh, I just started designing furniture, like kind of like contemporary modern type furniture. I did that, you know, for five, six years. And then, uh, and then from there, eventually, I eventually I started getting back into, uh, into fine arts, but yeah, it was, uh, yeah, I was, I was gone for a bit. So, and it was kind of tough getting back and it wasn't like hand drawing that I got back to. It was all digital, uh, a lot of cut paste work. And I did that for quite a few years. And, uh, it wasn't until like really like the last year that I picked up a pencil and started drawing again. So it's, it's a process. It's been a long, long process. Yeah. I read that, uh, while you were doing the furniture stuff is that you hooked up with the, uh, industrial designers of Edmonton association idea. I did. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's funny cause they were, they were all grads from the, from the U of A's, uh, industrial design program. And, you know, so they had their, their four year degree and, and I just kind of, you know, I, I just kind of walked on with my two year interior design certificate. Uh, but they took me in and then with them, we, um, we start curating two shows a year, uh, called frost and thaw, um, frost, obviously we held uh, in the winter and then thaw in the summer. And we created a, a show for local designers uh, furniture designers in Edmonton to showcase their, their prototypes. And, uh, we did that for a few years. Actually ended up, we, we started then getting like international entries. It was kind of where we had, um, like from Croatia, like the middle East. Uh, we had one piece from Brazil that got submitted and the guy from Brazil actually flew up here to attend one of our shows. And it was kind of funny. We we're like, why, why are you here? Like, you know, <laughs> so but he, he was so excited to be here. So, um, and he had a great desk actually the works, uh, actually bought his desk and it's, it's sitting in their, uh, their front reception. So, but yeah, anyway, yeah, we, we, we hunkered down. I think we did that for a good four or five years and then just, just kind of burnt out at the end. Two shows a year is a lot. It's a lot to do. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I, I read that's where you, uh, met some people into the, uh, let me see the designer toy scene. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, it was odd, right? Like I was like, you know, I was so headstrong to, to design, you know, architecture, interior design, furniture design. And then, um, I found this book, uh, called vinyl will kill. And, uh, Jeremy fish was the author. And this book was like a compilation of, uh, of the designer vinyl toy scene. So I guess what that is, is like, so artists like, like established contemporary artists, um, that had like, you know, really character driven pieces had, uh, toys made from the characters that they would, um, that they would, uh, situate in their, um, in their paintings. So anyway, so I found this book. I just, it just, it just clicked. It just absolutely clicked. And, uh, from there I was like, yeah, okay, I'm, you know, I'm ready to move on here. Uh, but for the first little bit, I, um, 
I actually contacted some of these artists to customize some of my furniture pieces. And so, you know, create a bit of relationship, uh, with, with a few artists that way. And then, you know, as that went, I just started phasing out, uh, furniture design and then slowly worked my way into, uh, into illustration work. <laughs> One of our former guests and someone in the chat room, Arturo says, holy crap, I love designer toys. <laughs> <laughs> Who doesn't? Yeah. So yeah, of course, like, of course I became like a, a collector and, uh, it's just, yeah. What are you going to do? Is that, uh, what inspired the act at figure that you made? Yeah. So, so one of the, one of the artists, um, that I, um, that I kind of met, uh, so he goes by the name of suck Lord. He's, uh, he's, he's in, uh, he's based in, 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 uh, in Chinatown in New York. And so what he does is he, you know, he appropriates, um, you know, star Wars culture, like his persona is, you know, this basically this, this, this gangster in a Boba Fett, uh, mask and, and jumpsuit. Um, so anyway, so through him, we just kind of started talking a little bit of back and forth, a little bit of back and forth. Uh, he saw my work and he, like what he did was, you know, he produced, uh, um, like resin figures. Basically he did, uh, 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 toy mashups. So he would take like action figures and he would kind of pick apart, uh, you know, arms and legs and the heads and he kind of like mash them together into like a new figure. And then he'd, uh, he'd make a mold and then he'd cast like, you know, like a dozen or so resin figures, package them up in the old, uh, the old blister packs and, and, you know, and, and he'd sell them. And so anyway, so kind of met him through that. I got one of his pieces and we're, you know, conversing back and forth online. And he, he actually invited me. He somehow got hooked up with Topps uh, trading cards. Uh, Topps was releasing um, some Star Wars cards, like official Lucasfilm licensed product. Um, and so uh, what they had was they had a, like a small batch of like uh, blanks that they were going to have Suckler curate to uh to pass on to other artists to do like a custom card and so he asked me to do do a couple cards and then you know so i did that uh which is kind of cool it's like i have an official lucasfilm product right so and then through there then after that i kind of asked them to to do a figure for me uh for my first solo show at latitude 53 which is called herd uh, which is basically just like it was, it was a Star Wars fan art show um, that I threw it together. So, yeah, so he, he rattled off like a dozen figures for me. And um, yeah, and that's, that's kind of where we went from there. Wow, that's quite a journey. <laughs> <laughs> Officially licensed gear. Mm -hmm. I know, I know. I'm so stoked. Yeah, yeah. So it's kind of funny, right? Cause every now and then, like I'll, you know, like I'll, I'll see a link of like, um, like it's now kind of like it's coming up in, in, in auctions and stuff like that. And, you know, people are kind of trading them and it's just, it's just kind of weird. It's funny, but weird. Yeah, that's, uh, that's really cool. <laughs> I bet there's lots of, uh, yeah. Fanboys who, who love that. I don't know anybody that likes star Wars though. <laughs> 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 yeah it's pretty underground right yeah right yeah. <laughs> i think i think you have to go on to use net for that <laughs> uh actually i think i yeah so um yeah you talked about herd and then the tops series and then you you incorporate in some of the collages like stormtroopers and uh, some of the fighters, mm -hmm. um, but then I I think I I found somewhere online where you said you you weren't like a tremendous Star Wars fan yourself. <laughs> I wasn't. You know it's funny. <laughs> I don't. Know, you know what? They're really bad movies. Like the like the you know <laughs> when, if you really kind of sit down, you break them down, and you you know you watch the dialogue and that they're really not great, but. You know, for me, it's uh, I liked the I liked the culture around it. Um, I liked, uh, you know, just the look of some of the, the characters. Um, and, you know, it's funny. 
actually the very first movie I, I'd seen in the theater was, was new hope. And my mom, uh, yeah, she just took me and I, I saw it in the theater, uh, when it came out and it just, I only had one memory for, from it. And that's when, you know, Vader first appeared through like the hazy smoke in the beginning, you know, when they kind of blew, th- blew through the doors and it always stuck with me that. And then mm-hmm. my second earliest memory was when the ad were first viewed, uh, through like those binoculars in empire. So those are like two scenes that just, just, it just completely resonated with me. And I never let that go. And then, you know, like I said, it was just one of those things I just, um, I don't know what it is. I just, I just like the look of it, the vibe of it. Uh, I remember when I first learned Photoshop after, uh, after my little design phase, uh, I think the first thing I did was I just started just doing mashups. I would take like model bodies and put like star Wars characters heads on it. You know, and I can't, I rattle off like, I don't know, like 20 of them. But this is like a long time ago. Of course, now, like, it's, you know, like everybody, their dog's done it. Um, but, uh, yeah, yeah, movie stunk. Just really did. Though the new one's really good. I like the new one a lot. No, I'm uh, I'm with you. I'm, I'm, I always feel like I'm in the very small majority or minority. And then Paul will always say that I just like hate everything. But yeah, <laughs> those first movies, like after I watched them again, I was like, oh, these are kind of bad. <laughs> you know, as you get older, right? It's like it's like when yeah. you watch three's, it's like when you watch Three's Company now. You're like, oh, what the f- was I? Oh, can I swear. Yeah, yes, like, you may. Okay, I'm like, well, you know, you, you watch Three's Company now. You're like, why did I laugh at this so much back in the day? It's really not that funny, you know. Um, I don't know. I'm probably dating myself now. The Three's Company reference. So I... <laughs> no, that that's all right. Uh, I do that regularly on the show, and then I forget sometimes that Paul is not of the same generation as me, <laughs> and he reminds me. Yeah, just with my silence at not understanding <laughs> the joke. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it's it, it's kind of interesting too. I mean, if you get like uh really analytical like when you when you do that with like some of the uh Star Wars icon icons, you're sort of like changing the way people see it and reinterpreting like these really popular things. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly what it was. So, and that, that's one thing I wanted to do is just take like a, you know, an everyday common figure and then just kind of, you know, rework it a bit and, um, and yeah, just make people kind of look at it in a different way. Like, you know, like focus on more like, you know, not so much like the movies and the character, but like the, the design of it, you know what I mean? Like I always like appreciated like the work that went into, you know, building these characters and designing them and, and, uh, you know, the background stories and, you know, and things like that. Right. Which, which a lot of times gets, gets overlooked. Yeah, I feel like the original trilogy and these and these newer um, movies just really have a beautiful uh, aesthetic and uh, and an excellent, you know, uh, design design of the world, how everything feels, uh, the the stormtroopers uniforms and all of that, how everything has evolved. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's a you got it right there. It's the aesthetic, right, and the vibe, right. Mm -hmm. Um, And really, it took uh, it took for them to finally punt Lucas's ass to you know get a decent uh, script (laughs) and you know get some decent acting, right. Um, So and and honestly, it's it's uh, yeah, it's a great movie. And I know there's like comparisons, like you know, a lot of people bitch about how the Force Awakens is almost you know identical to A New Hope. You know, like there are like scenes you can kind of match up sure. with the original and that, yeah. but that was their intent, right? They actually wanted to recreate the vibe because it's been so long since the original. Right. Yeah. And this, and, the, and, you know, and there's such a stink from the prequels, like the odor is still there. So, <laughs> right. yeah. so basically in, and JJ Abrams said that they wanted to just, you know, kind of uh, rehash that same vibe and 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 kind of drum up uh like old nostalgic feelings and then you know also to give like a new generation like the same kind of feeling you know like when we had seen you know a new hope mm-hmm. so yeah. that's why like I'm, that's why i'm really interested to see what episode eight is going to be like because now that we you know we we, we kind of have like that uh we had the catharsis <laughs> now we know, all feel like better been, about star wars been again. Re, yeah like we've been reintroduced right to yes. the original yeah. and so i'm really anticipating something unique uh with uh with the next one yeah yeah episode seven really feels like 
I can see how they, you know, people say it recycles a lot of plot points, and it does, but I feel like it sort of mashes up the best elements of the three original movies in a yeah, lot of exactly. different ways. Yeah, and, yeah, exactly. Like, and yeah, that lets us then get into new stories with the exactly. next one. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, I thought it was still unique enough that, uh, yeah, you know, gives a shit. It was a good movie. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's the same approach that he did with Star Trek, right? Where they sort of like, oh, this is a different universe. See, like how we've split this up. And then in the second movie, it's like now we can get on to different stories and we don't have to worry about the all the nostalgia. Yeah, and I think with Star Trek, I think Star Trek was a little bit easier because there's so many different casts, shows, you know, movies like there's just there's a lot of, you know, multiple storylines and and that that really, you know, what he really could have done no wrong with it. You know, he wasn't really I didn't feel he had, you know, he wasn't continuing from a previous story or anything like he it's right. Star Trek. Star Trek's a different animal, completely different animal. Very, very loosely connected it to what was already there, whereas. Uh, this Star Wars movie certainly feels very connected to the original trilogy and yet sets it up so that, okay, now we're going to move on. <laughs> yeah. And then, well, last thing with Star Wars though, right? Like Star Wars is basically, you know, it, it's kind of cornered itself in a weird way. Like it, mm-hmm. it, it has to relate to the previous movies. There's got to be some sort of relation to it, right? Uh, yeah. If not, you yeah. know, the, the pitchforks and the torches come out. Right. <laughs> As they will with Rogue One, I think. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, yeah, sure. You know, someone's going to bitch about that one too. Yeah, but uh, yeah. I'm looking forward to that one. I think I think that's going to be uh, it's going to be a bit of a sleeper. I'm really, I, I think that one's going to be really good. I agree with you. I think it's going to be really great. But I think it's going to also, um, I think it's also going to piss off a fan base. In some ah, way, you know, you know? they're always going to be pissed off. There's always <laughs> going to be something, right? Yes, you know? this, this is true. This is true. Ah. Yeah, One I need just... only look at the Marvel Universe to find that. <laughs> yeah, you're, uh, yeah, our our listener who's in the chat room, Arturo, says he can, he's like right with everything you said because he just uh, likes the whole idea of uh, world creation and building a world and characters and yeah. Yeah, so, I'm, a, I'm a big fan of that too, you know, like – like I, I, I do like what Marvel's doing. Like what Marvel's doing is it's really quite unique, you know. Like in such a short span, how big of a of a of a cinematic universe that they've created. Yeah. And really, yeah. like there hasn't been a dud uh, so far. Like when did right. Iron Man One come out? Like two thousand nine or something like that. Yep. There really hasn't been a shitty movie. I think the only God, well, if if, if you go off of uh, off of Gross, um, I think Ant Man was considered i think uh a little bit of a flop maybe but that was a great movie that was a good heist movie you know it was um, a good heist movie <laughs> it yeah. really was it was a good yeah. i, I like that one a lot so it's one of my favorite marvel movies so but uh but to see what they've done and they've done it so well uh that's why i'm kind of you know i kind of giggle when i see you know what dc's trying to do yeah. um yeah you know it's just uh sure right. give it a shot <laughs> oh yeah that's gotta be painful for you because i read that you were quite the superman fan growing up oh my god yeah like i well like i'm you know i grew up with the with the christopher reeve right which was uh yes you know the which superman. really it was you know like he cast such a long shadow with that character that really i mean it's it's impossible to uh you know it's impossible to follow that up yeah um, you know, I thought, you know, it's funny. I actually, I thought Brandon Routh was really close to that. You know, it's just too bad. It was just a shitty movie. Uh, Superman Returns. What an awful yeah. movie. Yeah. But he was great. He was the best thing in that movie. And I was really, really hoping that they would have allowed him to, uh, to, you know, at least get another shot. Because uh, Henry Cavill is just, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Like those, those uh, Christopher Reeve movies, like they almost like on so many levels they are the greatest because they 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 balance things so well like you just i've talked about it before but you get like the beginning of those movies are just um 
knock down, like fall out of your chair, like funny scenarios happening mm-hmm. in the city. And then yeah. like you balance it with the action and the drama. And now I haven't seen it, but you know, Batman versus Superman, I assume is just like a Michael Bay fest, like boom, explosion. <laughs> yeah. I think, you know, um, I think what people like miss with, uh, with Superman, with the character and, and what, uh, um, what they got right with, with Superman one and, and Superman two you know, um, here you have this 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 uh, icon, you know, in a in a bright colored uh, uniform, uh, the opening sequence, you see him flying, you get goosebumps, you feel hopeful, you know, mm-hmm. like that's what his character yeah. supposed to be it's supposed to make you feel hopeful, make you make you feel like everything's going to be OK now. Uh, you know, uh, something you look up to. Whereas like I found now, it's just I don't know what it is. They just made him dark pissed off all the time. Like, I don't think he smiled once, uh, in the new movie. And you just sort of like, you're almost afraid of him, you know, even when he was like, um, you know, even though they show a little montage of him, like, you know, going through all his saving people and all that, he looked like he was kind of put out, you know, he just didn't look, he just wasn't happy about it. Right. And that's not the Superman. That's not Superman. You know what I mean? That's every right, other right. whatever brooding '90s era comic book character. But that's not Superman. Superman's the guy that, you know, he he takes out a burning building. He, he you know he flies down. He kind of puts his arm around your shoulder and say, "It's going to be okay. Are you okay? You know, you'll be fine." Kind of thing, right? Where this one just kind of drops you off. And like, well, you know, fuck you later, and takes off, right? <laughs> yeah. You know, it's just, yeah. And, and they're really missing the point. They basically they're trying to turn Superman into like a Batman, you know, and right. and the problem is is he's got to be completely opposite, yes. you know, to Batman. That, that's that's yeah. his thing, right? You know, so um, that's what I was hoping with with Brandon Routh because Brandon Routh is so um, just his character. You know, he's just such a complete opposite of uh, of of a gritty, you know. Uh, Bruce Wayne slash Batman type character. I think he would have been brilliant, like to play off uh, off Ben Affleck. True, true. This turns yeah. movie talk. This turns to movie talk. That's all right. That's all right. We do this uh, pretty frequently, <laughs> actually. It's true. It's true. I was just saying, like, basically, you're auditioning to be on our other podcast, Film Frown, and we'll make you watch Superman Four: The Quest for Peace. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god! Is there a bigger turd of a movie? <laughs> Holy shit! I just sat there like, I thought you know what? I thought I thought Superman three was bad, and that was bad. My god! It's amazing how they just shit on that franchise. Like, oh, it's so bad. Yeah. The bad guy, the bad guy had nails too, didn't he? I think he like grew nails or something. It was really stupid. Yep. So, I think that was so, the one that Superman got drunk too. I think that's three. Was it three? There's one where yeah. he's at like he's at a bar and he's like doing shooters. Yeah, he's camera. He's got like the five o'clock shadow going on. Yeah, <laughs> that's brilliant. Needs yeah. to use a Kryptonian blade to shave that off. Oh my god! You know, too. I, I think that was Zack Snyder's inspiration for Henry Cavill's <laughs> Those take. Movies. <laughs> it was that one scene. It was that one scene. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, here's the, the the thing about Superman's character is he should not he. Superman does not feel obligated to help people. He feels compelled to help people. Like it's his nature. Yeah, it's like in, he, exactly. It's in his nature. He is he is adding good to the world. Uh, whereas um, Batman, I think, feels also feels compelled, but he's not really feeling compelled to help people. He's feeling compelled to stop uh, bad guys. Essentially, he's he's being compelled to fight crime. Um, yeah, it's, it's all about justice with him. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So he's stopping bad where, you know, uh, Superman is is create trying to create good in, in various ways. And so they have very different attributes as superheroes. Exactly. Yeah. And that's what I was, I was hoping to see that contrast in Batman versus Superman. You know, I wanted to see even something as simple as the costume. I wanted to see the bright red and blue and yellow you know, uh, sure. kind of standouts in that yeah. dark kind of Gotham, uh, atmosphere, but they just kind of, they took just, you know, a really, a, a, you know, I'd say like an almost near perfect character, uh, and just kind of just drag them down to, to another character's level. It just kind of just, just whitewashed them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like that, 
I've never, I mean, I love those movies, but yeah, Christopher Reeve was it for me, but I've never been like a Superman fan just because he was the Boy Scout and he was the guy who like has one weakness in like the entire world. So you see it every comic and every episode. (laughs) I know, I know, I know. And the other thing too that always threw me off with Superman movies, I was watching um, uh, an interview with Kevin Smith and Kevin Smith was talking about all the Superman movies, the plots. He's like, every plot dealt around real estate, right? <laughs> if, you look at, <laughs> if you look at Superman 1 to 4, it was all about real estate, right? And then even Superman Returns, right? Yep. What did Lex Luthor, Kevin Spacey's character, want? He wanted to build an island, right? Real estate, you know? Um, and then, uh, um, and then um, Man of Steel, right? General Zod, he wanted real estate. He wanted the planet Earth, right? So. Wow. That's true. That's very funny because that's that's one of those things where like I always think people don't realize like when you we're way off topic now, but when you when you start writing like (laughs) TV shows and movies like people are just like, oh, yeah, they're going to do like a flash TV show. This is going to be awesome. But the guys writing it are the guys who have been writing like Knight Rider. Like they've been in the biz for a (laughs) 100 years. Like they, they don't just hire like new people to like just like go ahead and write a pilot episode. They're hiring people they know that know how to do their work. And then that's why like when you watch Big Bang Theory now, you're like, this is boring because you and I watched Three's Company and they're just recycling those jokes again. <laughs> recycling exactly those jokes yeah. with different references. Yeah, and I gotta say, actually, I, I really, actually, I really dig the Flash uh, TV series. I, I, you know, I thought they're doing a really good job with it. Um, Arrow, Arrow, I liked it first, but man, it's really gone downhill the last little bit. But uh, Flash is hanging in there. I was really hoping that uh, the Justice League movie would have incorporated um, uh, that the TV Barry Allen. Flash. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it would have been. You know what? It's it's funny, right? Because DC's always done well with TV. And so, you know, here they are, they're trying to create a universe. And this, uh, it was such a missed opportunity. They really could have done something really unique and have, uh, you know, have that combination of TV and, and, uh, you know, cinematic, uh, uh, a release. It would have been great because a lot of, because the fan base is already built in, right? For the flash. So you didn't need to go through like a whole origin, you know, whatnot. And, uh, it would have been kind of neat. So, cause like the new character, the new actor they got for the cinematic flash. Yeah. He's, I don't know. He's a bit of a goof, but <laughs> we'll, we'll see. We'll see how it plays out. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, DC does like a great job aside from TV. They do like those animated movies are like a thousand times better than any Marvel They're animated so movie. Oh, right. Yeah. I, I totally agree. <laughs> I absolutely agree. They've, it's amazing how well they've done with that, but live action. Oh, Jesus. Like, I don't know if we want to talk about Green Lantern yet, but <laughs> oh my, that was so bad. Like, uh, thank God he got to do Deadpool. Right? Yeah, good good comeback. Total, you know what, good, re- total redemption. And I got to say, good on Ryan Reynolds for actually hanging on to that character. Because yeah. I remember that uh, oh, the, the, like, when they introduced Daredevil in uh, the Wolverine movie. Oh. Oh. How on earth? Like, I don't understand like, who thought that was a good idea to, you know reinterpret that character yeah um so but yeah you know good on him he stuck with it and uh you know he had like i've got one of the best comic book movies you know in a long time and now he's got uh i guess he's got he's got a big payday coming for uh for part two yeah yeah oh yeah so yeah that was a good distraction we should probably go <laughs> Back and talk about Adrian. <laughs> uh, I was going to ask, uh, your mom is an artist as well. Is that right? She is. She's um, she's uh, living in Victoria and she's a uh, she actually teaches um, uh, art in, in high school. And so, yeah, so she's uh, but yeah, she's also an artist. So I guess that's where I got my uh, chops from. osmosis yeah there you go yeah so one of the things i did was uh i saw your creative morning presentation Um, yeah (laughs) (laughs) 
but I yeah. I like the I liked your story about the moment. The moment that you decided um that you would try to do some street art because you said it was when someone told you if it's not in a gallery it's not art. Oh, that fucking guy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he was he was a co-curator. Marcus Miller was his name. And I don't know, I, I think he's uh, some gallery in Saskatchewan right now. So anyway, so <laughs> I remember this now. There was a show at the old art gallery. It was called the Art Bar. And uh, so basically the dude just, he had a room in the gallery and he set up uh, a nightclub. And, uh, you know, had a big opening. There was a lot of people. There was a lot of people that night. Uh, I remember too, like the lineup was out the door. It was insane. So anyway, so, but yeah, he just basically just set up a nightclub inside the art gallery and called it art. And so I remember after the opening, we're kind of standing around and we're talking with the artist and we're talking with this, uh, this guy. And, uh, I'm just kind of arguing. I, I kind of said, I, I said something like, this is like the biggest heist I've ever, you know, seen. I mean, good on you guys. Right. Like for bullshitting all these people. And they were kind of going back and forth and we're talking about street art. And then, yeah, so this, this basically kind of goes on about, well, I don't really consider that art. Right. I'm like, well, why not? He goes, well, cause it's like, it's not in a gallery. I'm like, so you're telling me that because it's not within, you know, these four walls, it's not considered art. He goes, no, no, I don't recognize it. Like, okay. So that, that, that really turned me off to the, to the whole establishment, I guess the whole system. God, I'm sounding like a cliche now, but, uh, <laughs> I, uh, you know, I, I was, I didn't really care for the whole system really to begin with. Sure. And this really just kind of justified it for me. And I thought, you know what, I'm just not going to, I'm not going to apply for any shows. I'm not going to, you know, bother, you know, filling out the paperwork and, and putting in submittals and all that. I'm just going to, I'm going to kind of cut that off and then, uh, just kind of do my own thing. And then, uh, and then, yeah. And I, I always enjoyed street art. Uh, but the thing was, I didn't know how to go about it without getting arrested or in trouble with my wife. So I had to be, I had to be kind of smart about it. Um, I didn't want to spray paint. I don't want to damage any property, right? I didn't want to deface someone's wall. And so I just kind of came up with a, uh, basically, well, it's borderline littering, I guess, when you think about it. Uh, I just kind of left pieces around town. And then from there, uh, I just kind of, yeah, I just kept going. And then I started posting on social media um, you know, and then it, it kind of all of a sudden turned into a bit of a scavenger hunt and people just started showing up and they started meeting other people and they would keep watching Instagram for something new to come up and they would kind of meet up and, and, uh, just go hunting for these pieces. It became like these trophies and it almost came to a point where the people themselves became part of the, uh, part of the art piece like the actual pieces that i made and put out they were they were more just you know side notes so it was really it was really the interaction between me the artist and 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 uh and the participants yeah that's uh that's really interesting it's like you you didn't even plan for it to become a scavenger hunt and yet people were just like well it's not affixed to anything so i'm gonna take it home is basically what happened well, it was funny. I remember the first ones I put out, um, one of the early ones. Uh, so I guess like, okay, so what I did was like I, I, uh, because I worked in a miller shop at the time, so we had access to a CNC machine. And so I would uh, basically draw out uh, uh, these characters. I would take like, you know, like, like a C-3PO and I kind of blew his, you know, his face would be blue and I kind of plunk him on like, you know, um, the first one I did was, uh, it was C3PO in like in a suit. And so I, I would print this off, you know, you'd be about, uh, about seven to nine inches in height. And then I would cut out, um, plywood, uh, silhouettes and then I'd, I'd wheat paste, uh, the printouts onto these. So I'd have these like, you know, these, these, these plywood, uh, figurines. And so that's what I would put out. I would put out in little corners, nooks and crannies, alleyways, um, you know, inside uh, uh, newspaper boxes. And then anyway, so one of the first runs that I did, 
this local group, um, they run a, um, a website that uh, basically they, they, they highlight uh, Edmonton uh, street art and, and, and graffiti. So they, they came across one piece, cross street from Remedy on Jasper Ave, and they grabbed it. But I guess they kind of stood there for a sec and they're like, no, we can't. <laughs> so they, they put it back, right? Because they felt they were, you know, um, depriving other people from, you know, experiencing the artwork. So, so they put it back, but they, but they ended up writing an article on it. Uh, and then from there, it just kind of kept going, kept going. And then, um, and then Fish Grigowski from the journal contacted me and he wanted to write an article for the art section. And then he, we met up one afternoon, one Sunday afternoon, he went with me, uh, on a, basically a walkabout around White Ave where I dropped off a bunch of pieces. So he took photos and then ended up writing an article. And once that article hits, then all of a sudden just like the followers just really just kind of, kind of came out of the woodwork. And then it just turned into this two year thing that, um, you know, people kind of base their, their weekends around. So, um, so yeah, a lot of the imagery like on your site and the stuff that you put out on the street was like uh, sort of like a C-3PO and a hoodie. Did you actually dress like that when you went out? Uh, okay, so <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. It was more staging, right, than anything. But it was funny. Um, I got contacted by uh, by a group of guys. They, they, they ran this local clothing company. And they also managed a, um, at the time, a, a local hip hop artist, uh, Mitch Lawler. And they asked if they can help me put some stuff out, right? They actually wanted to become involved. And so I kind of went up to them like, you know what? Great. Uh, you know, I gave him some pieces and I also gave him uh, an extra C-3PO mask. And so what they did was they kind of staged a few drops like in, in Hub Mall uh, and then High Little Bridge and all that. And they had Mitch Lawler dress up as me and so they just have pictures of this guy in his hoodie c3po c3po mask just dropping off pieces and it was funny because at the time mitch was in high school and i remember he was he was saying that some people actually thought that he was me <laughs> so because at the time like when i was doing this i did not like i didn't use my name at all right i used the moniker think item the whole time and no one like for the longest time had a clue who who it was right and i think that added to the whole experience right like it was uh it was kind of like like a who is it sort of thing right and i'm sure i think even at the time i think someone even asked like if, if fish Gregowski was think item you know and it just um it was just odd it was odd when i think about it now but yeah <laughs> It's just odd having people emulate some artwork that you made. It's funny, right? Because, you know, you know, like we're talking back, you know, how we mentioned earlier about, uh, you know, so many people be able to put out their artwork online and to be able to have like a voice heard. Right. And it, that was like kind of one of those things where I don't know what it is, it just kind of hit with people that they wanted to participate you know, they wanted to be part of it. You know, they like they felt it wasn't just them walking into a gallery looking at a, a picture hanging on the wall, right? It was completely interactive. And so so near the end, right, I, I kind of played off that um that hype that people were were creating. And so I started this little kind of like side, like a sub-series uh called uh join. And so you know, I started like making all these propaganda um postings and um and then eventually I, uh, I ordered like a bunch of, uh, like these like really bad, like Chinese knockoff C3PO masks. And so I, uh, you know, I bought like a dozen of them. I spray painted them like the blue, uh, and the yellow, uh, in the, um, in the figures I put out. And so I, I took these masks, I bagged them and then, you know, I had these little, uh, uh, backer boards that said join. And so that's what I started putting out, you know, I, I, I put out these masks for people, you know, in the streets to find, and, you know, it was almost like asking them to, you know, uh, assimilate to, you know, to become part of this, uh, you know, again, this, this, this little movement and people were like, they're, they're snagging up these, these, these masks. And then one night, uh, someone started sending me or posting photos on Instagram. There was like a party, it's like four or five people and they had a mask. So they started taking pictures of themselves wearing this mask. And, 
you know, and I started including that in, 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 in the series and, um, which is kind of cool, right? So basically like other people were creating pieces for me, you know, without really me having to lift much of a finger. Um, so <laughs> that's, that's right. I, it was, uh, yeah, I think it was that, uh, creative mornings, uh, presentation you gave too, where you said someone, uh, who wasn't a fan of your work also contributed to you. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. Okay. So, um, so Jay Runham, uh, he did, uh, he did a posting on, uh, on me. Um, it wasn't, it wasn't him that, 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 that dissed me. Jay, this is the Jay Runham's awesome. So he did this like, like kind of interview with me, posted up on his site and then, you know, and it got reposted on, uh, on Reddit and, uh, some gal, just start laying into me, right? Going, you know, um, oh, he's a Banksy wannabe. You know, his art's all about himself. You know, blah blah blah. I give it one out of ten. And I remember I was sitting at work and I was reading this. I'm like, okay. So I, I I copied her her statements. I put it on one of my posters. I printed off like you know I don't know about a dozen of them. And I just I ripped downtown and I posted them all over 104th Street and a little bit on Jasper Ave. <laughs> And so I started, and I credit her too. I put it on the poster. I put her name on it too, right? So you know, it's you know, it's fair, right? You got to share the the credit. And so then I sent it back to her, and she's like, you know, she's like, that's the most creative thing you've done so far, and just kind of left it at that. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. And now that's the tagline on thinkitem.com, the most creative thing you've done so far. <laughs> yeah, pretty well. That's yeah. Yeah, that was it. So, and she kind of left it at that. So, um, it's interesting though, because, uh, when, uh, I was reading some of your interviews, just talking about like submittals for galleries and things like that, it really struck a chord with me because you were talking about like the sort of, maybe not for everyone, but, uh, the sort of fallacies with artist statements and that, that, that was like, that spoke to me just because um, I always have that problem. Like I can go into a gallery and look at something and maybe I'm looking at it analytical or maybe I'm just wowed by it. But the minute like I have to read like this sort of dissertation that feels like it was written by like a lawyer, it just takes me out of it. <laughs> yeah. Art, artist statements are absolute horseshit and they're, um, they are, uh, they're basically created by people that just couldn't hack it. Uh, that, that, that couldn't, they're scholars that just couldn't, uh, you know, produce, uh, produce anything uh, on their own. I just find this is garbage. It's absolute garbage, right? It's like, I, I don't know how many times I've said this to other people when we're talking about artist statements. When, when a writer writes a piece of work, so what, I'm going to ask them to draw it, to explain it to me. <laughs> so why the fuck is an artist, right? Visual artist that I, you know, I go through this, I go through all these hours, you know, uh, painstaking hours to create these pieces. Like, you know, I'm a visual artist. Right. And then, and then I gotta like sit there afterwards and then, and then write a paper on it. Like, come on. Like that's, that's, that's garbage. You know, it's really, it's up to, it's up to the viewer to look at the piece and to get, you know, to let them create the narrative, you know, like that's, that's what I do the pieces for. Right. You know, I like, obviously there is some personal connect with every piece that I do, but at the same time, I like presenting it to, to the public and then hearing what they think, you know, they see, or they feel. Uh, but if I give them a statement, then that, that automatically skews their perception of the piece. So I'm kind mm -hmm. of sort of, I'm, I'm, I'm veering them towards, you know, um, a, like, like a forced pathway or I want them to kind of like, you know, explore themselves, you know, like I don't need to tell them to go left when, you know, they probably want to go right. So it's, it's, it's garbage. It's paperwork. It's clerical. You know, our statements are for secretaries. I don't, uh, I don't have time for it. So, and then I found, you know, it's, just, I, I got so flippant that, uh, I did submit some stuff like to, to some websites and, and even galleries. And I just, uh, I ended up using like a Whitney Houston song as my art statement. Great, greatest love of all. I just, I used like the first few verses and that was it. No rhyme or reason. And that was my art statement. Cause that's how ridiculous this whole, it's, it's how ridiculous the whole thing is. You know, it's, it's, it's pointless, absolutely pointless. 
it seems like a kind of thing where like it's there so that you as the artist are supposed to be trying to set your you know the 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 viewer's expectations of mm-hmm. uh, in some way and i think that that opens you up to a whole host of different kinds of criticisms because once you start saying to the person who's looking at the art this is what i was trying to do or this is the vein in which i was trying to go suddenly they have a, a like a more specific lens to look at your art with yeah. and then yeah. they can tell you whether you did it or not yeah <laughs> and that's yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, go. You know, that's what I find with artist statements. It's essentially like putting on an artist statement is like throwing grapefruits to a home run hitter. You know what I'm saying? Like, come on. Like, it's just, it's, it's not fair. It's just not fair. So, um, yeah, I don't know. You know, maybe it's just me being a bit of a chicken shit too. But uh, <laughs> I don't know. You know, I, I, I know enough people that there are statements really are just, they're, they're complete crock of shit. It's stuff sure. that's made up yeah. after the fact that the work's done. So they sit down, they come up with some bullshit story, you know, Yeah. And they come up with this statement and they really, honestly, a lot of times these statements are false. There's no connection whatsoever to the work. It's just, it's just a, a bunch of garble to, you know, uh, appease, uh, uh, you know, a six man committee to, uh, you know, to accept, uh, you know, right. their proposal. Right. It's garbage. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I really I love that idea. Like, we don't make writers draw pictures to explain what they're writ- wrote. <laughs> I think that's really great. And then uh, as I was thinking that, I was thinking back to our earlier conversation. I was like, oh, that makes it even funnier because we do make writers do that or someone else do that when it comes to making Hollywood movies. <laughs> <laughs> Well played. <laughs> the best, the best though, is when the writer is really pissed about who that, how they like. Oh, I sold the rights to my story, and then they chose so and so to play my main character, and it was totally the opposite of what I wanted, and blah 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 blah. That's gotta be tough, though. I can see the point. I can see tough. I could, yeah, I can see how a writer can be that pissed off, right? Because you gotta think the amount of hours that that a writer will put into you know like a piece of work right um yep. you know a lot of, a lot of like rewrites you know a lot of editing it's just um you know they're, they're so connected you know i would assume like i'm not a writer by no means but I, I i can assume that they you know there are times that if they spend so much time like writing a piece of work that you know they, they almost like develop a relationship with the character you know, and so like they, they, they spend time with this character, you know, on a day, day by day basis. So they, they have uh, an idea of what that character looks like in their head, how they talk, how they move, how they eat, how they whatever. And then to hand it over to, you know, to another party and allow them to, uh, you know, reinterpret said character. I, I can see how tough it, it can be, you know. Like I remember when um, I was thinking like one case, do you guys remember Anne Rice? She did all those vampire movies or books Yes, mm-hmm. back in the nineties. So, so interview the vampire was her big, whatever, right? The, the big launching, uh, whatever publication of her. Uh, anyway. So, so she, her main character, uh, Lestat, I think she based them off of Rudger Hauer. Uh, and I think more so his character and I think his Blade Runner, I can't remember now. Like, you know, this tall, blonde guy, like just a big guy, right? And so what do they do? They end up like, you know, they cast Tom Cruise, right? It was like what? Five five foot four, crooked front teeth, you know, need for you know, need for speed and the whole thing, right? So I remember she was just, you know, I remember reading at the time like just how devastated she was. I think I think, yeah, you know, his performance, you know, in the movie, you know, changed her whatever mind. But uh yeah, it's just yeah. No, I get it. Wow. Uh, Arturo in the chat room has a question. He would like to know if you, uh, if you're interested at all in any, in an explicit way to create a moment of question in the spectator, or if it's just about aesthetics. Moment of question. Like if I want to, uh, inspire like a moment of philosophy in the spectator he has written in here. Or maybe uh, not really, you know, to be honest, no, no. When I, whenever I make a piece, I, uh, 
No, I, I, no, I usually do more for myself, to be honest. Like I know people will see it and I kind of then I, I do more for myself. You know, a lot of times, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm really aesthetic driven. It's probably cause of my like design background, you know, so I still have that, uh, that in me. Um, no, I, I'd say aesthetic is more, it, it, it's, it's more for me. Uh, it, it drives my work more so. And then as, in terms of posing questions, you know, like I, I, you know, I have questions that I ask myself in the pieces, you know, um, and then whatever someone else picks up from it, that's, that's on them. You know, I don't, um, I don't worry too much about other people when I do my pieces. Really? It's, it's really, it's, it's a, it's a selfish body of work to be honest. So, and I'm just, you know, I'm, I'm usually, you know, quite happy when, when, when people dig it enough on their own. Are you making the art because it's something that you want to see or are you making the art more as a way to get something out? Yeah, I gotta get it out. It's more like I got to do it. I just have to do it. You know, like it's, uh, yeah, I don't know what it is. Like I, uh, it, it, it's funny. Like I, like I just, you know, someone just kind of comments like, you know, not telling you like how, you know, how do you put out so much stuff? And, and I don't know. It seems like I put out stuff like every day. Um, <laughs> I don't have a sketchbook. You know, it's funny. I, I've never had, I, I've had sketchbooks, but I, I, I find I go through a couple pages and that's it. So basically everything I put out, it's like a one shot. There's no pages of, um, planning or anything like that. Um, it's just, it's like an itch. It just, I just, something I have to yeah. do. I just, I, just, yeah. I, I gotta get it out. Yeah. That's, I like that. Um, yeah, when you were saying, <laughs> you just made me think. Uh, the when you, I read one of your uh, interviews when you were probably working on um, the Viper Sisters, like you were saying, like uh, doing the digital collage stuff, like in Photoshop, was like kind of freeing, but at the same time, like it was hard to find an end to the to a project. Oh my God. That one was like, <laughs> that was, it was funny. That series. I didn't mean it to be a series. It was like, I, you know, I remember when I first started that damn thing, it was like Christmas holidays and I was just sitting on the couch and I was ready to kind of move on to something new. And I, I just, uh, I, I just thought to myself, if I started a punk band, if it was like 1977, I was starting a punk band, what would I call them? And what would the album cover look like? So right away I'm like, oh, Viper Sisters, right? Great, great punk band name. And then I, I made like uh, like a faux <laughs> album cover. And then I think I think from that point on, for the next two years, I think I pumped out about sixty pieces of uh, of the Viper Sisters, and it was so formulaic. It was just, it was it was almost silly near the end. I kind of look back and I'm like, Jesus, like I I I really burned myself out on it because. Um, you know, it was, it was fun. Like a lot of people got, you know, uh, got something out of it. Um, but at the end I just kind of thought this is just, you know, backgrounds, characters, couple of tie fighters and, you know, some, some pink, uh, you know, laser beams. And that really was it. And I think I rehashed that over and over and over again. And then it got to the point where I just thought, no, this is not, uh, it's not right. Time to move on. Yeah, I, I I assumed like you were talking about because I was reading the interview that you were talking about. Uh, it's hard to know when you're done because like working in like a digital format, you have like the magical undo button and you can oh just my move God. things at will. It's tough. Like it, yeah, like you just want to keep going, keep going, you're turning this layer off, turning that layer on. Um, yeah, yeah. At the same time though, like it was, I really like you know that format because it allowed me to get stuff out right away. You know what I mean? Like, like, like all the stuff with the Viper sisters. And then, um, I had some digital collage series prior to that. It's all like, um, every piece was made, like we're talking like within the hour of coming up with, with, with a thought. So it's like, it's like an instant, instant composition. And that's how every piece is. Even like the, the, the hand sketch stuff I'm doing now, it's a, like an idea pops in my head and the sketch is out in an hour, hour and a half. Like it's, it's, it's right away. Yeah. That's, <clears throat> that's an interesting thing. Yeah. Coming from like a video background, like if I have an idea now I have to like come up with like 
the footage and I have to come up with like the lighting and I have to come up and now that I've been doing like more writing for like sites and stuff, like if I have like an idea for an article or whatever, not that I'm like writing awesome fiction or anything, um, but if I have an idea, it's like I can just like sit down and work the idea out. It's not like something that I have to like gather supplies and now I've lost sort of the edge. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I think that's what, um, that's mainly what people like don't realize is like how honest the stuff is you know, that, that I put out like good or bad. It's, it's, it's really, it's, it's the truest work I can put out there because it's, um, there isn't much, um, editing, you know, it's, um, it's, it's what's in my head. And I, I try to spew it out as quickly as I can. And I like to post it as quickly as I can. And then I move on. It's done. I don't look back. And then I move on to, uh, onto the next piece. Hey, I'm going to make this quick, uh, but that's the end of part one with Adrian from thinkitem.com. Uh, check us out at montrealsauce.com uh, or on Twitter or on Facebook or on uh, Patreon, patreon.com slash msauce. Uh, we'll be back next week with, uh, I think, the last episode that we have hanging out in the can. Uh, and then we've got another sauce packet coming up and we're going to start recording again in January. So, hey, uh, happy holidays. And we'll catch you next week.